Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. I want to tell you about a letter that came across my desk this week. It's a church that you've probably heard of. It's a world-famous church. And two people in leadership of this church have been fighting. There's a major disagreement. And it looks like it'll have the potential to split the church. So obviously it's big news because disunity in a church can be a killer, particularly in leadership. Disunity in leadership can be bad. Uh, You've heard of this church, I'm sure, It's the church of Philippi. And Paul wrote a letter to this church, the church in Philippi. Uh, You can read about this church. In Acts 16, it started when Paul, on a missions trip, met some ladies who were praying. And they started the church. It's actually the first church in Europe that was ever planted in Europe, planted by some ladies. became a really powerful church. Um, It was a a great mission-sending church. Let me read to you what the Apostle Paul wrote to this church. He says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, this is in Philippians 4, uh, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And then he says this, I plead with you, Euodia, and with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in Christ. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, this is at the end of the letter. You can read through this and just read through it quickly and not register what's going on. But those few verses are really significant. This is what we know. Euodia and Syntyche, they were leaders in the church. And Paul says, you've contended at my side for the gospel. So they're leaders in the church. And they've had some sort of a disagreement. We don't know what it is. We know it wasn't a moral issue. Because Paul doesn't say, one is right, one is wrong, this is my judgment. Instead, it must be some sort of an issue that's not a moral issue, it's a disagreement, it's a grey area, and there's no right or wrong in this case. It's just they're having a a dispute about something. We know that it's become a big issue in the church, because Paul is actually writing this letter from prison. So it's got to him that there's a big disagreement in the church. And he's writing the letter from from prison and he's actually named the two ladies involved. So what you've got to realise is this letter would then be taken, after he wrote it, taken to the church at Philippi and read out loud. And whenever Paul mentions people in his letters, he's either praising them or he's calling them out for something terrible that they've done. He, He does that a couple of times. But for him to actually name them in the letter shows this is a big deal in the church. It's a big issue that's come to his attention and he wants them to sort it out. We don't know what the issue is. They did. They knew exactly what the issue was. Like I said, it wasn't a moral issue. Otherwise, Paul would have called it out. It's some other issue going on and Paul really addresses it because he knows what can happen to a church When there are disagreements in leadership especially, he knows what can happen to a church. And so he does something about it. One of my lecturers at Bible College had a letter written in the 1800s by a group of people in a church in England. And he still got it. He had it framed in his office. And 
they were complaining about the newfangled musical instrument in the church that was giving a foothold to the devil because the pastor had decided to buy an organ. And so they wrote this letter saying, if you buy this, we're leaving because it's giving a foothold to the devil. And uh, the, the lecturer, he knew what happened in the end. They ended up leaving. It split the church over an organ. We look back at that and we think, but disagreements can happen for all sorts of reasons. And lots of times, they aren't black and white issues. They're not issues worth fighting for. They're not issues of doctrine. Instead, they're issues of personal taste or, or upbringing or, or issues like that. And so Paul says here, writing to the church at Philippi, so everyone's hearing this letter. He says, I plead with you. Try work this out. He even asks someone who, he's, who, who is his close companion. Maybe Luke, we're not sure. It might be, we're not sure who it is. He even asks someone who's close to Paul to help, help work this out. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion. Could be Timothy, people think. Help these women work this out. He pleads for unity. Work this out. Do what you can. Why? Why is Paul so insistent that they work out their differences? Well, you could say unity is death or you could say united we stand divided we fall but it's a whole lot deeper than that it's not that that Paul is really pouring his heart out over it's more who we follow we follow Christ and to know his mind and his heart and what he's called us to do should make us more determined than ever to be united and not let differences come amongst us when you look at the mind of Christ, uh, on the night that Jesus was arrested, so this is a night of high drama and high emotion. On the night that he was arrested, he said a couple of interesting things. Now remember, in his last moments with his followers, he's not going to waste words. And he also knows one of them has betrayed him. So here he is talking in his last moments, and he says this. We can read it in John 13. It was almost time for the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that his time to leave the world and go back to his father had come and he'd always loved those who were in his own world and he loved them all all the way to the end so there's real passion in what he said this is what he said to his disciples i give you a new command love each other you must love each other as i have loved you all the people will know that you're my, my followers if you love each other so think about that jesus very last words to his followers are not a suggestion, they're in my command. I give you a new command. This is something you can add to what I want you to do. Love each other. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. And when you do, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This word that John uses for love, it's the really intense, giving, sacrificial love. I command you to love one another. Uh, I want you to love one another and be united. Because by this, people will know that you're my, my disciples. Then he prayed for his disciples on, the, on his final night. This is what he prayed. I, prayed for I pray for these followers, but I'm also praying for those who believe in me because of their teaching. So that's us, people to come. Father, I pray that they can be one. As you are in me and I'm in you, I pray that they can also be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. I've given these people the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as you and I are one and I'll be in them and, and you will be in me and so they will be completely one. Then the world will know that you sent me, that you have loved me just as much, that, that you have loved them just as much as you love me. I pray, Jesus said, I pray that they'll be one and then the world will believe 
that you sent me. So Jesus does this a couple of times. He actually links unity with the world knowing. So it's always linked to evangelism. What's the best evangelism tool we have? It's not a good program. It's not really a nice steak afterwards. It's not being able to argue well with non-Christians. Our very, very best evangelism tool, the thing that's really effective, is when followers of Christ are united. When they get along, even though they might have differences. Because living in unity reflects the character of God. Jesus said, as you are in me, I am in you. So the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ is unity. The attitude of Christ is unity. In Philippians, as they read this letter, right at the end, he talks about the two women who are fighting, who are having some sort of a disagreement. And he says, I plead with you to work it out. Before that, he wrote a famous passage, and I'm going to read it out, because this is the key to what unity is all about. Philippians 2 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one, one mind. Now, this is the hardest part of this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ. So when Paul is writing to two women and saying, I plead with you to work it out, what he's saying is, I plead with you to have the same mind as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I really can't add to that. The words in this passage, the attitude of Christ, didn't position, didn't consider his position to be one to be used for his own advantage, made himself of no consequence, taking the very nature of a servant, humbled himself, being obedient to God's will. Now imagine if we all live like that. Imagine what his church would look like if we all live like that with the mind and the heart of Christ, to, of sacrificial love, of looking out for one another. So why is it so hard to live like that? The church at Philippi was planted less than 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Paul wrote this letter less than 10 years later. So 30 years after Christ's death and resurrection, we have a substantial church that's having a major split over two leaders having a fight. Why does that happen? Why does this sort of stuff happen? Why do we disagree over stuff that really doesn't matter in the end? Why do churches pull each other down or dwell on past hurts and let them destroy relationships? Why do people get upset when they don't get their own way? Why don't we do unity well? Because it goes against every instinct that we have. Our natural tendency is to want our own way, is to look after our own interests, to want the biggest share, to be comfortable, to have our ideas heard. That's the natural tendency. But we as a church are called to something better than that. We're called to have the same heart and mind as Christ. I know what his heart is. I know what his mind is. 
my difficulty isn't the head knowledge, it's actually doing it. It's the heart. It's actually doing what he's called me to do. How can I do it? How can I live like God wants me to live so that his church is an evangelism tool for Gainesville? How can I live like that? Well, firstly, I've got some some action steps here that I need to do. Firstly, I've got to realise this takes hard work. This doesn't come easily. In Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That word, make every effort. It's every day striving. It's every day putting in the hard work. Unity isn't easy. It doesn't just come magically. It comes through a lot of hard work that we have to take responsibility for. Okay, it's my responsibility. I need to look at the way my attitudes, I need to look at what I'm doing. And even though we're joined by the Holy Spirit, it takes continual effort day by day, fighting my own desire and instead looking at God's way. And so my challenge is to every day keep fighting for the unity, keep striving for unity, keep putting to bed in my life, beating them down, things that shouldn't be there, like selfishness, like pride, like one in my own way. I've got to strive continually for that. I've got to be aware of it all the time. Secondly, not only have I got to look at myself and try to put those things down that shouldn't be there, secondly, I've got to look for the best in others. And this is so important. I'm called to live with others and one heart and one mind. Now, that'd be easy if you were perfect. If everyone else in this church was perfect, I'd have no trouble living in unity with you. But the problem is, you're all as fallen as me. And sometimes you're selfish, and sometimes you want your own way, and sometimes, and it's easy for me to then look at you and judge you and think, this is what you've got to do. If only Sandy Driver was a bit more generous and didn't put me down so much, and if only she did things my way, now I can pick on Sandy because she's really generous to me. But you see, we, we then look at each other how we wish to be treated and instead of looking at other people thinking no this is how I should treat them and we should look for the best in others and I should be looking at people thinking they're fallen as well and I need to make allowances for that and I need to make allowances for the fact I'm not perfect they certainly aren't but I can still have God's grace and I can still look at them as God looks at them and the fact that God died for them and he's doing a work in them and it's not complete yet And there's still things they need to... I'm going to do my best to help them fix those things by looking at them with love, by encouraging them, and by not pulling people down. Look for the best in others. I think of my own son, Jake. Jake's 26. Jake has autism. Uh, Some people have commented in our church when Jake visits that he never talks to anyone. Like, Jake doesn't talk to anyone. Why is that? Is that because he's selfish? Is that because he's mean? He's got autism which means it's just about impossible to go talk to a stranger. And so people can pull him down rather than understanding, oh, this is the thing. I'm looking for the best in him. And so looking for the best. I, I, I love this, this story. It's about uh, two evangelists in England in the 1700s, John Wesley and George Whitfield. Now, they were two great preachers who went around the country preaching the gospel and saw many people saved, but they disagreed vehemently on doctrine, on an issue of doctrine. 
and they were at one another and their supporters were at one another and, and they, were, they didn't like each other personally. And everyone in England knew that these two guys... Whitfield was asked one day by one of his supporters, do you expect to see John Wesley in heaven? And they were waiting for his answer. And he said, no. And his supporters are... But this is what he said, no. John Wesley will be so close to the throne of glory and I will be so far away, I'll hardly even get a glimpse of him. That is looking for the best in others. They will be so close to the throne and I've got stuff I need to work out. So the way that we look at each other. Thirdly, the way that we keep this unity is to be quickly to forgive. Forgive quickly. Colossians says this, and this is Paul writing once more. Bear with each other. Have you noticed in every letter Paul talks about forgiveness? And it's because they were human like us. This is what Paul wrote. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then he he puts this line in, and I hate this line because then it takes my responsibility to a level higher. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did God forgive me? Completely. Uh, How quick did he did it? Instantly. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Be quick to forgive. Too many people hold on to stuff from too many years ago and let it fester. And it's like a bacteria that gets in and grows, a nasty one, and it grows and grows. Be quick to forgive. Fourthly, don't argue over stuff that doesn't matter. And Paul says this a few times in his writings. Um, I'll read this one from 1 Timothy where he's writing to a pastor. He says this, Don't let people waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigree and who's best. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live with faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with a love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and genuine faith. Don't fight about stuff that doesn't matter. And fifthly, keep the main thing the main thing. Why are we even in church? Why doesn't God zap us all straight to heaven when we believe? Because he has a job for us to do. And our job is to show Gainder who Christ is. This is what Paul said. I plead with you, Euodia, and I plead with you, Syntyche. So I'm pleading with you. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side for the cause of the gospel. Now, this is what we are here for, the cause of the gospel. And what Paul is asking us to do, if he wrote to the church in Gainda, this is what he'd say, I'd plead with you, I'd plead with you to work stuff out, to forgive quickly, to don't allow anything to fester, to look at others with the eyes that I look at them at with grace. I'd plead with you to realise that the most important thing are the lost around you. And the way that you reach them is by having unity of faith and by forgiving each other. Imagine how our lives would change if we could do that. How our church would change if we could do that. If we could live the life that God has called us to live. I won't sugarcoat this. This church has been through difficult times, not only recently, but the last 15 or 20 years. There's been difficult times in this church And some of the recent issues and people's perceptions of people's behaviour, it's damaged the church, obviously, and it's damaged the standing of the church in this town 
and some of the things that have been said lately. And it's the opposite of what Paul has said, where Paul said, I plead with you to work this out and to have unity because this is how people know who I am. Some of the hurts and the unforgiveness and the the festering relate to issues that are long-standing that haven't been dealt with properly from years ago. It's been interesting that um, Carly and I over the last few weeks have said to people, if you want to come and talk to us about any issue, we're open to that. What amazed Carly and I is people came to talk to us about issues that weren't even recent, that were years ago that someone said this and it hurt me, years ago issues that people still hadn't dealt with properly and in my years, Paul's words are ringing loudly. I plead with you, work this stuff out for the sake of the gospel in this town. So what is it, this, this term, work this out? What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean I'm waiting for them to change their behaviour. It doesn't mean I'm waiting for things to be perfect. It doesn't even mean I'm waiting for Lee and Carly to be perfect because uh, that will never happen. We are imperfect people. Oh, that's amazing, to tell you the truth. <laughs> She's close to perfect, though, Miranda. I'm a long way away from What it means is we are imperfect people trying our best. But I think trying our best means to actually deal with stuff. Unforgiveness issues, things that need to be done away with. I think we need to draw a line in the sand and say the responsibility is ours right now some of the stuff that's gone on even over the years it needs to end some of the attitudes I have some of the unforgiveness I've hold on to I think we need to begin the process somewhere and that's the idea of this Sunday is to draw a line in the sand and say let's begin this process and when Paul says I plead with you to work this out that it actually starts with me and my attitudes and the stuff that I need to clean up doesn't start with anyone else it starts with me uh, and it's it's what Paul it isn't easy either and Paul says I plead with you and he says strive hard for the unity of the spirit but we need to start the process and this is what today is about this is what we're going to do Kelly's going to come up and just play some music and what we're going to do is we're going to allow just for a few minutes allow you to think about what do I need to change I need to be less selfish. I need to look at others and maybe give more grace than I have. And think about what you can do. Don't look at anyone else and think, well, Neil Baker better deal with this. Look at yourself, look at your own heart and think, what do I need to deal with? And then what we're going to do, we're actually going to do something. Um, we've got paper and pens here. And you can either come and get a bit of paper and take it back to your seat and write some stuff down that you need to deal with, or you can write it here. Then we want to put it through the shredder as a way of saying, I'm starting the process now. This isn't going to have an effect on me anymore. I'm going to make sure that I do what I can to keep the unity of the faith. What other people do is between them and God. But I'm making the decision and I'm not waiting anymore. I'm dealing with stuff. And so what we're going to do is allow you to shred the things that you need to shred as a beginning. This isn't the end. This is only the first step in a long journey of seeing unity in this place and seeing people saved in this church. It's, it's a start of a long process, but it's a start that we need to make. And so I invite you to write down attitudes you need to change. 
grievances that you need to move on from, uh, forgiveness that needs to flow. I want you, now don't take this wrong, I want you to write down people you need to forgive and shred them. But in the right way. Don't shred them because you want them destroyed. Shred them because I need to deal with my heart on this and I need to forgive. And start shredding some of the stuff. Then we're going we're gonna to do that for a few minutes. You're most welcome to do that. If you don't want to come forward and do that, that's, that's fine. There's no judgment here. But if you would like to take a step and do that and shred some stuff, then now's the time. I'm going to shred some stuff. After we've done that process for a few minutes, then we're going to take communion together. Because what the Apostle Paul said, if you have anything in your heart against someone else in the church, deal with it and then take communion together. Because if you don't deal with the stuff you've got and you take communion, you're actually taking it in a bad way. And Paul actually told the church in Corinth, some of you have fallen asleep because you've taken communion with things in your heart against others. And so we're going to take communion at the end of this service and then we're going to have a meal together. But what I'd ask you to do now, if you just feel moved, I need to shred some stuff, whatever it is, just a few minutes. You've got the pen, the paper here. You've got the ability to do that. Why don't you come and do it? Let's shred some stuff and then let's take communion together. Let's do it now, hey? But I'm going to pray first. Just let me pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the people here. Imperfect people. But people who are saved by your grace. People who are fellow Christians. Fellow followers of Christ. I pray that we would know your heart. And Lord, there has been damage done here over the past few months and the past few years. But we're drawing a line in the sand and we're saying there's no unforgiveness in this place anymore. There's no pulling people down. There's no looking at people thinking, I want them to change. Instead, I pray grace would flow, that we would support one another and that in Christ we would know what it is to dwell in unity and that we would be an effective force in this town. So it starts with us. And today, Lord, I'm willing to deal with some stuff continue to help me I pray empower me to do this as I deal with this over the next few weeks and months every day contending striving to deal with it Lord help me do it I pray in Jesus name Amen We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you If you've got any questions or prayer requests please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.